Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Stationary Freaks with myself Rob Lambert and of course uh, Helen Lazowski, that's me. It's been a long time, <laughs> hasn't it Helen? I say this almost every time, it's almost like our statutory introduction Rob. <laughs> no, we did the same thing last year didn't we? I think it was six months until we got a podcast out last year but I think we've halved that now, it's March, so uh, we're getting better. Um, that's significant progress in anyone's book right? 100%, 100%. So um, yeah, life's busy, isn't it? You know, and coming out of the Christmas, New Year and all the other stuff, we're busy, obviously working full time, we've got families and houses and all the other stuff. So um, we are, I think, preamble to this recording, discussing going to once a month with this podcast. Can we commit to that? Well, I can, Rob, actually. Yes. <laughs> That's a slight dig at me there. But yes, I can as well. Let's uh, commit to once a month. And one of the other things as well is if uh, you're listening to this and you run any kind of sort of stationary small business or some sort of creative outlet using stationary, like we had Helen Callahan on, who is a writer who loves stationary, then give us a shout. Um, find us on Instagram at Stationary Freaks UK or head to the website to find other ways to get in touch with us. And be a guest on the show because we're keen to promote small businesses, but we're also extremely keen to understand how and why you got into the stationery business. Yeah, it's just I love I love talking to people who love talking about stationery. Yeah, everyone's always surprised that somebody else loves it, right? So I know I was I was telling a group of coworkers the other day actually uh, about this podcast that we've got that's got quite a few downloads, a lot more than we ever anticipated. <laughs> And they ask, what's it about? And I get that sort of almost that pang of embarrassment to start with. (laughs) It's about stationery and it's called Stationery Freaks. And you can see the sort of smirks and the the, the kind of like, really? Are you you serious? And then there's always one in the group that's like, that sounds blooming amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And we had, I did the same thing. So uh, a a chap who I don't uh, have a particularly good empathy with, we don't, we don't, have that overlap or natural affinity with each other. Um, but he suddenly went, oh, my God, have you seen this YouTube video about this pen? And suddenly there's a whole world of things that we've got in common that we didn't know about before. Because we talked about stationery. And how lovely is that? That's amazing. It's amazing. I think what we need to do is get some little business cards printed. Um, <laughs> and then whenever we see someone with, like, cool stationery in the office or in a cafe or whatever, just yeah, give them a business card. You say, hi, my name's Rob and I'm a stationary freak. That's it. Join the community. Right, Helen, I think today's format, we are literally going to talk about, oh, well, I've got three things on my list and I think you've got about 200. We're going to talk, (laughs) we're going to talk about stationary stuff that sort of kept us busy, really. Things that are interesting, things that we bought, things that we're using. So, Helen, why don't you kick off this episode? Oh, well, so I have some new purchases that are quite big. I met a a, a different person at work who turns out is an absolutely huge stationary freak and he geeked out with me about fountain pens. Mm. Um, And we had lots and lots of fun. Apparently years ago, years ago, he used to work in the paper making business and he understands what makes paper have the right level of sheen. So you want a bit of sheen so the the ink doesn't spider out. You don't want so much sheen that it never dries, right? And he was chatting to me about this at length. Then he got very excited and said, when are you next in Cambridge? Because I need to take you to meet this chap. Now this chap 
is called Brad Harrington, and he makes beautiful pens, absolutely beautiful pens. And I have bought one. And just to let you know what it's like, it's pheasant feathers that are basically inlaid into resin. So it's all hard and shiny and protected, but you've got all the beauty of those feathers really up close. It's just so lovely. Now he does all sorts of things, steampunk, and uh, he's using some really interesting materials. Um, he makes uh, wooden ones carved out of whiskey barrels. Uh, he's got some sort of uh, made with uh, olive a tree from Bethlehem, apparently. All sorts of unusual wow. things. But for me, this was beautiful. And I got so excited. And on an absolutely torrentially wet day, I went and bought one um, at a ridiculous amount of money um, with my friend who also bought a pen. He had the best morning ever. He opened up and sold two phantom pens. We went away and he'd barely been open three minutes. So, yes, absolutely. Now, so the, it's called Gilbert House Pens. And I really should give him a shout out because when I got in the car for my very long trip home from Cambridge, I noticed there was a slight flaw in it, the one that I picked up, and I texted him straight away, and he was the best customer service ever. He was so lovely. He genuinely understood how important this pen was to me and how much joy I was getting out of it, and he went so above and beyond, and he's within, literally, before the Friday, the following week, so I was traveling back on the Sunday, before the Friday the following week, I had got a new pen. So it was beautiful. And it's, it, to me, it looks exactly the same. It's that close a match that he's done. So, yeah, awesome place. Sorry, I got a bit excited there, didn't I? <laughs> That's cool. That's good. <laughs> uh, you, you, you WhatsApp me a, a picture of it. It looks amazing. Uh, I assume these are all sustainably sourced animal parts that go into this pen. <laughs> I, I didn't ask, Rob. I was captivated by the beauty and went, I'll have one of those. Thank you very much. But, yes, you're right. I sat in the car, took photos WhatsApp to you the photos because I was so excited. I know, and you know, it, it does look incredible. Does it write well? I mean, that's the, the key to a good pen, isn't it? It is. So he fits the, I think they're called Bock nibs to them, and they are beautiful. They write really, really smoothly. Um, I, it could lead you on to my next. He also gives you a little uh, bottle of ink to go with it, which is usually diamine ones. I don't know how you pronounce that, which is really nice. Now, the ones he gives you are very. Uh, standard and you'll know rob that i like nothing more than a bit of stickerage and you know all those kind of things mm -hmm. so diamine also make some inks so my beautiful pen that i have bought and had only a few weeks is currently filled with green ink that has got uh shimmery gold in it so when you write where the ink is slightly thicker the gold is laid down it's just the most fun thing so i have green at the moment I have been working with orange that basically looks like fire. So it's a sort of deep orange and you write with it. And these shimmer inks are just so much fun. So that's Urban. So we had a podcast yeah. not long ago and Urban was talking about inks and it's opened up a whole world of inks that I never knew existed. So, that's, yeah. That's incredible. That sounds amazing. That sounds really good. And, and that customer service as well by, is it Brad, did you say his name was? Brad Harrington, it's Gilbert House Pens, yeah. It's on the web, you can go and have a look. Uh, but he understands pens. He understands that when he showed me some beautiful ones that I loved, when I held them, I just said, they're too light. I need a pen with weight. Oh, you're one of those, he said. Right, okay, so these are the ones you... So yeah, absolutely got nice. it, really got it. Nice, sounds like a potential guest for a future episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yes, possibly. Maybe I should text him and say, hey, remember me how much trouble I was, could you? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Get Brad and Urban on the same podcast, and we've got a we've got a massive ink fest. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. 
So how many how many have you got on your list, Helen? Just so I uh, I can pace myself. Well, I could do four. No, I'll do four. three really. Um, yeah, let's let's do four because I've I've got a fourth thing. I've spent a fortune actually on stationery, and what um, well. I don't know whether I mentioned on the podcast before, but I'm a huge fan of this online learning resource called Domestica. Have I ever talked about this? I don't think so. I think it's a Spanish-based company. A lot of the courses are in Spanish, but that's not a problem because they've got subtitles. And I literally have spent thousands of pounds on (laughs) Domestica courses. It's for the creatives, really. I mean, there's some branding stuff and, you know, there's some sort of business stuff on there as well. But most of it's about learning to draw, learning to paint, photography. It's brilliant. And it's one of those where almost every course that pops up is one that you want to sit, <laughs> at least for me. So I've been spending a fortune, but there's there's one that I've really, I've always wanted to learn how to do lettering. You know, when you've got that really nice calligraphy lettering. Hey, you're talking to the right person that's there. That's it. That's it. So I'm I'm in the well, I'm in the process of sitting about five courses at the moment. You know what my brain's like. I'm sort of in between. But there's one that I'm trying to finish, and it's a course called Small Format Lettering by a lady called Little Hannah is the name that she goes by. She's a journalist and designer. And the course teaches you how to, you know, use ink pens and gel pens, essentially, um, to create small format lettering. So really nice looking lettering for books, wedding invitations, kind of, you know, calligraphy type stuff that you see. And the way she explains it, and the course is so good, it's just crystal clear, you know, apply pressure here, shows you how to go all through the alphabet with the capitals yeah. and lowercase. And to accommodate that, I've been out and bought a pack of Pentel ink pens. Nice. <laughs> as you need to, you know, you need the right material yeah. to get this thing. And it's one of those where you're watching her draw the letters and they're so crisp and so yeah. beautiful and so perfect. And then I look at mine and... <laughs> <laughs> there are shambles you know I can't quite get the right pressure on the pen to get the curves and all that sort of stuff but that's part of practicing isn't it that's part it is of the, that's what you do it for 100% so that's my first one a pack of Pentel basically ink pens and um they're the same ones that she uses so I thought why not oh, they're good enough for her and she gets a good answer you know a good a good image there's really no excuse for <laughs> Exactly. So I'm looking at her holding the same pen that I'm holding, and yeah. she's got these beautiful crisp lines. And obviously, yeah. she's, she's been doing this for years, and she's an expert. Um, but little Hannah on Domestica, and Domestica, I do apologise if I send you to Domestica and suddenly you have no money because you've bought all these thousands of courses, then that's on you. <laughs> but... It is so good. It's one of those, like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. It's, yeah, my to-do list has got about 52 courses on it at the moment. Really? Um, and they're, they're about anywhere between 10 and 20 pounds per course. But they do a subscription model where you get a number of courses within a sort of 15 pound a month, I think it is. Yeah. I haven't explored that because, and here's one for Domestica, if you're listening, I can't see what courses are in that subscription because it doesn't include all of them. Oh. So I don't want to go for that and then find that actually it's, you know, courses yeah, that courses you wouldn't take normally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's a really great domestic. So that's mine. Pentel pens. Over to you, Helen. Well, you're talking about learning new things. So I had a flash of inspiration. So you remember how we had Helen Callahan on the podcast a little while ago? Of course. Genius. Author. And she loves her stationery. So I was chatting with her. I have booked some time off over Easter. And I was going to go away with my brother and the family and blah, blah, blah. And we didn't for reasons I won't go into, but I have not cancelled the holiday. 
So I have some deliciously free time. And Rob, you will know that just is like instinct. So rare. Yeah. And I have to do a couple of chores during that time. But otherwise, I've got like five days off. And I said to Helen Callahan, hey, you know what? I would really love it. She did a talk for us uh, at work recently about, uh, it, it was so cool. It was, can I, can I get you to put a plot together in an hour? And it was lots of technical people. And we had really had fun in this hour, hour and a half, where we tried to put a plot together each individually. Nice. Um, and I said to her, hey, that was so much fun. How do you fancy giving me some constraints to practice my writing skills because you'll know Rob um, a blank page and all I do is procrastinate so give me some constraints and allow me to work through it and she was absolutely up for this so I have dug out my precious mark and fold notebook that I haven't dared use for mm -hmm. anything and I'm going to use that for my Helen Callahan exercises I've got she's going to give me one every day for five days with some accountability at the end of the day so that I have to actually have done it um, it doesn't have to be any good. I just have to have done it. So yeah, one of those joyful things. But, and here's what I bought as a result of it. So I already had the Mark and Fold notebook. But now I'm using up that one beautiful notebook that is you hold dearest above all others, right? So we all have oh, a yeah. stack, but there's always one that's precious and you're saving something special. So that was my Mark and Fold one. So now there's a gap at the top of my precious pile. And I found a lady, oh, a lady on Etsy called... Um, I don't know what her, I think it's Maria Van Ley, but she does Levan notebooks and they are beautiful paper, a really, really good quality paper, um, all folded and stitched into a book which lays flat. And then the covers she covers in um, Japanese silks and linens. And then the she does a really beautiful um, stitching around the binding so that it's really attractive as well. So these are horrifically expensive uh, for a notebook. <laughs> I mean, I can't even, but, but you look at them and you can absolutely see where the value is. So I have, in a moment of weakness, ordered one, and I am so excited that it's coming, but I don't have a project for it yet. You've knocked off the Mark and Fold notebook from the top of the, the pile to use it, which is exactly what Mark and Fold build notebooks for that's um, right but I know what you mean you know there's that one notebook that you're just looking at going that's for a very special occasion and you've got that with you know almost one-to-one -one coaching with Helen Callahan. I mean how awesome is that well I know I did ask her if she would do this like as an actual uh paid for kind of thing and of course she's far too lovely um so I might have to get her one of these books as a present. Yeah, I think so. Don't don't tell her that though. Yeah. No, no, I won't tell her that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she did put me onto a very nice lady who does um, remote courses, um, and she's another published author, a friend of Helen's, Helen Callahan's. Um, so I am also on the verge of signing up for, well, have signed up for, um, a writing workshop over thirty weeks every fortnight. So wow. I am actually going to invest in effort, Rob, because without accountability, I am nothing, as you know. So Levan notebooks—they're they're covered in Japanese silks. That sounds Japanese really interesting. Silks, Japanese linens and then hand stitched together. Just, just beautiful. Wow, just lovely. Okay, well, obviously, check out the show notes for everything that we've been mentioning. Um, but we do have a newsletter as well. You'll find that on the website, stationaryfreaks.com. We were chatting about that. We've not posted anything to that, just like we haven't done any podcasts because life is busy sometimes. But 
We are going to commit to that once a month as well. And everything that we mentioned in the podcast, plus loads of other cool finds, will go into that newsletter. So head over to stationaryfreaks.com and you'll find a link to the newsletter. So that sounds really nice. Japanese silk, though, and linen. Do you, yeah. do you, yeah, you don't want to have your cup of tea. I know you're, you're a big fan of tea, so I'm assuming that you want to keep those away from your notebook. Well, I know, right? And I'm also known to be horrendously clumsy. So, yes, open bottles of shimmer ink and beautiful Japanese silk really don't feel like they should be on the same table, possibly not yeah. in the same room. But do you have a special place for this special notebook? Have you got, like, a trophy cabinet with that, you know, did have the Mark and Fold notebook in there now? Is Have you got a special place for it? It's, it's funny that you should ask. I do have a bookcase from which I can see all my notebooks lined up that are yet to be used. Um, the Mark and Fold one wasn't in that little trophy case because it was in its special box. It comes in a box wrapped in tissue paper. Um, so it was in that. Um, in fact, still is, to be honest. <laughs> so it's not actually visible. But there is a space there that could be. It's maybe one for a future podcast, but I think that would stress me out if I could see all the hundreds of pounds that I'd spent on notebooks. No, you don't think of it in terms... These are like children, Rob. They're not money. Once you've bought them, the money is gone. So now there's just the love, the love of the notebook. Well, yeah, I think, though, though, it's that sort of investment in potential. You know, we set this up as a podcast about the potential of stationery. And I think if I saw all my notebooks, which are hidden in drawers in my uh, writing bureau, um, I would just look at the investment and potential that I have yet to release. Uh, And I think that would drive me mad. Yeah, there's nothing like uh, pointing your failures out to you silently, is there? (laughs) Absolutely. All right, cool. So back to Domestica, kind of. And um, an artist on Instagram I've been following, a, a guy who goes by the handle of, I think it's Play Attention. Okay. And he's a bit, he's like a hip-hop sci-fi graphic design artist. I'm probably doing him a massive disservice because he's, he's super talented. <laughs> but he draws these amazing pictures um, that, you know, they're, they're just incredible. I'll, I'll include a link. And it got me really interested in, in drawing again. I, I keep sort of dropping in and out of learning to draw. I'd love to be able to do it, but obviously you don't see the gains necessarily as quickly as some of the hobbies. Um, But I'm back into it. And I got back into it in a big way and I filled my previous sort of premium Otagami notebook. So I went online and bought another Otagami notebook. And I'm at that first page, you know, where you want to use it, but you know that the drawing that you put on there isn't going to be, isn't going to do it justice. That potentiality vanishes. Yeah, very quickly. But it's a beautiful note, but these are really nice. And they come in a really nice little box wrapped in tissue paper. There's a lot of effort gone into the presentation of it. And yeah, I mean, you're paying for that, of course, through the, the price of the book. But the paper is incredibly durable. Stuff doesn't really bleed through. It's just a really nice design, and I think I'm going to keep buying them because I like the idea of having a series of notebooks on the shelf that are all the same notebook so Ah. that they look nice, and that's my drawing notebook, you know, a notebook for each occasion, so to speak. That's the same as I do with the Zen Zen notebooks, the Zen Art Supplies ones. So all my bullet journaling is done in those so that they line up uh, beautifully on a shelf. And they are, you know, again, a joy to use for everyday use. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going for the Otagami, but you won't find me doing bullet journaling and that, that is for sure. No, well, you've not got the patience, Rob, have you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. No, let's not get started on bullet journaling again. Uh, okay, Helen, over to you. 
so I did kind of mention it a little while ago. The other thing I'm going to do is um, not really station related. So it is this workshop. So this lady who um, I've approached, I'm going to do this workshop with her for 30 weeks. She does something called a novel in a year. And it's a course that you can go. Now you have, to, there are prerequisites to get onto this course. Um, and it's done remotely, I think. Um, and I, she starts usually in March every year. So it's already too late. It's already too late for me and everyone else, right? Um, but what I've done is I've signed up for this workshop. And I think that if you really want to do something, so I really love to write, Rob, as you know, but I am absolutely crippled with self-doubt and um, what I consider a lack of imagination, but it's probably not that <laughs> at all. So I think this is a really nice idea. And what's really great about this is that she is deliberately pitching this for people who are remote and for um, people who haven't necessarily got hundreds and hundreds of pounds to do these writing courses. So she's really reasonable. She's very recommended, um, obviously, by Helen Callahan. So what I'll do is I intend to give this a crack and then I will report back on how this works. So rather than recommend it right now, what I'll do is I will give it a go and then maybe recommend it in a few podcasts time. Excellent. That sounds amazing. Yeah, because I know there's lots of people out there, especially stationary freaks who, you know, creative writing, there are lots of creating writing courses and groups and it's not always going to suit you to go down to your local one at the library and lots of the libraries in the UK particularly do that kind of thing or at least host that kind of thing. But it's not necessarily at times that you can do. So, for example, there's one close to me, but they meet at two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon or something. Not practical. So rather than rather than just wish or take time off or whatever, I thought I'd do something different. So I'm quite interested to see how this happens. This does feel like a massive step up in, uh, prof- I want to say professionality. I mean, like this is like a proper real writer giving me proper real yeah jobs so it's not it's it, I'm not mucking around unfortunately I feel a little bit of the pressure but for me as you know Rob that's actually really probably quite good so yeah that sounds amazing that sounds awesome and yeah I think everybody would, you know love to have that sort of almost coaching really isn't it and that sort of mentoring um so we expect a book do we from you Helen and uh... yeah maybe maybe no not soon <laughs> But maybe I'll start next year. If I do get on well with this nice um, sort of fortnightly course, then maybe I'll then have enough uh, points to get onto the, the the one to plot out a book. And that's a year. And then I actually have to finish writing it properly. So, you know, you'll know that it takes a couple of years, Rob, to give, to give birth to a book. Well, yeah, I've got, I've got one coming out. I mean, I'm not going to self-promote it here on this podcast. But there I've... you are. Come on. Ah, okay. Well, it's called um, Take a Day Off. And... It's one of those books that I wanted it to be short and snappy, like each chapter just succinct to the point. You know, when you read one of those books and it's it's kind of lightweight, but it's super powerful. One of those where you're like, whoa. And I sort of birthed the book um, just before lockdown, actually. So that was, what, two years ago, three years ago, nearly. Uh-huh. And it just took a long time to want to come to life. So the outline was there. Most of the chapters were there. It just didn't feel right. Um, I'd spent a lot of time, you know, condensing stuff down, getting to the point, making it short, snappy. And, and the book kind of felt right in terms of the book was right, the content. But it felt like it needed to be slightly more than a book. So it took about a year of sort of mental wrangling. And you know me, I've got a, a backlog of books that I want to write. 
And yeah. I'm not going to start on those till this one's gone. That's the way I sort of operate. And some people might be able to juggle multiple books, but I can't do that. So I needed this one to just go out the door, and it's been three years. So everything else, the Squirrel Book, Zero to Keynote, all the others, they're all stacked behind this one. And I realized that actually what I wanted it to be was a book accompanied with artwork. So when I realized that, that's when it sort of became creative flow started to go again. So the book is finished. There's going to be a text version of it, which I'll promote elsewhere. And then I'm designing these sort of almost like posters for each of the small parts. Now, you imagine if you're in a workplace, these posters, they should and hopefully resonate with you if you decided to print one and stick it on your wall. It's that kind of messaging that's helpful for business, inspirational, you know, insightful, also critical sometimes of some of the nonsense that (laughs) me and you particularly have to wade through every so often. And they accompany the text. And some of the posters have all of the text on it because there's not that much text in some of the chapters. Some don't. And then I'm going to put it together and release it as a sort of mini picture book, really. Oh, nice. So text on one side, poster on the other. And when I realized that, that became sort of unlocked, the potential. So, yeah, that's on its way out in a couple of weeks. You know, I've heard about these story ideas, these book ideas, and I know that they take a lot of effort. And I hear, you know, we talk regularly and you'll tell me how I'm getting on or you've been working on this. And, you know, I, I, it's nice to hear when something's come together. Oh, thank you, Helen. Thank you. I need to um, basically block Domestica from my life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's my sort of ADHD saying, oh, that's interesting. Let's go over there and do that. Um, so my sort of third item, that, that was a bit of a solo waffle there, actually. So thank you, Helen, for giving me the space to uh, talk about that. My third that. item is a very, very uh, nondescript item in a sense. I don't know how to pronounce this properly. It's a Rapsico. Do you know the oh, pencil sharpeners? And it's one of those old school desktop pencil sharpeners. You push a button, you slide the pencil in, um, you let go of the button, it locks the pencil in, and then you turn a handle on the back to sharpen it. Ah. And it's ex- it was expensive and it was pointless because you can get really small pencil sharpeners that do just as good a job. <laughs> but it just looks cool on the desk. And there's a little handle at the back which I can turn and it makes me feel like I'm uh, you know really putting some effort into sharpening this pencil. <laughs> Is it one of those ones that goes around like a little baby organ grinder kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sort of grinds and, and you know, I was only spinning it a few times and I read the instructions. You know me, I don't really follow instructions. <laughs> and it said you've got to turn it sort of sometimes 10 to 12 times to get the right sharpen on it. And it's, it's brilliant. It's really good. And it's stupidly expensive for what it is really, but... I like sharpening pencils and it just looks good on the desk. So there you go. I remember those from my childhood that teachers kind of had them bolted to desks. And That's you it. Go up and do it. It's, it's pretty much exactly as you would imagine if you went to school, certainly in the UK, yeah. as being the pencil sharpener that the teacher would have. And I kind of like that. So that's my third one. Well, I have a, the, uh, it's just reminded me of another one, which is I've got uh, the, um, I bought some black ring pencils. Oh yeah. Um, and so I have two lots of black ring pencils. I have a nice, um, I don't know, they're called 602s. I don't know how they get the names for these. And the other one is called Pearl. Um, both of them are really too soft for me, but um, that's all that was available. Um, and I bought a pencil sharpener to sharpen these because, you know, they come without that point on them. So they're like blank. And I thought I'd buy a really nice fancy one that would allow me to have different, use for different kinds of pencils, right? Mm. So it's got a big hole and then a little hole. And the way this little round, so I've gone the absolute other way. It's a little round brass pencil sharpener. And I got very excited. And because they were new and blank, I had to 
turn it quite a lot of times in order to sharpen the pencil. And I was gripping it reasonably well. And what I didn't realize was that the the hole for the pencils that I was sharpening went in, you know, one way. And at a 90 degree angle was the hole for the other one, which meant the blade Mm. for the non-used hole was actually pressing against my thumb as I was busy. So I did, it's so sharp (laughs) that I ended up with two or three of these really tiny, not quite paper cuts because they were deeper than that, but three little cuts on my thumb and they took like days to heal and everything hurt and I was really cranky and I haven't used it since. (laughs) Oh my, that sounds like a terrible design flow. Well, do you know, that's exactly what I thought. So I think your your pencil sharpener may have cost you a fortune, Rob, but it is safe, right? It it keeps the blades away from you, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we need, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, I actually had one of those little brass ones. It, it clearly didn't have the same design flaw that yours does. It had the two holes next to each other, so you couldn't really put ah. your finger. And um, it just kept it kept snapping the lead in almost every pencil. Oh, really? And, yeah, so that's what drove me to getting a new one. I thought, well, I don't want to get another one that's the same that could have the same issue. So uh, this Rapsico one hasn't had that problem yet. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That sounds uh, painful. So. <laughs> Was that is that your third horror story? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I've, I've got. <laughs> I, I'm out of things on my list that I wanted to talk about, but I'm fairly sure I've bought other things. But yes, oh. that's my list for this time. Well, well, it's my birthday earlier this month, and I oh, thank you. And um, birthday money from family. You know, when you get to a certain age, nobody knows what to buy you anymore, so they just give you Amazon vouchers and money, which is <laughs> gratefully received, of course. And I think almost all of it went on stationery. Basically, you know, new pencil case um new uh coloring pencils you know you name it I just I just looked at all the drawing stuff I like to do and I just basically bought some stuff for that so that was quite cool but I did want to give a little bit of shout out to a company called counterprint books um you can find them I think the website's counterprint.com we'll include it all in the show notes of course they're good on Instagram and uh, I bought a book recently called Japanese color matching (gasps) Yes, it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful little book. And it essentially goes through a whole load of different Japanese art from pottery to calligraphy to, you know, uh, clothing, silk, posters, you name it. And what it does is looks at the colour combinations that the artists have used. And then it gives you those colour combinations on the page in, you know, the basically the CMYK or the RGB colour codes. And as I'm putting together this new Take a Day Off book and I'm putting posters together, it's really been helpful to make sure the colour combinations work with each other. Ah, is, yes. So it's not really personal choice, is it? There's actually science behind it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some science behind it. And I think as well, obviously, you're looking at things that people have already built and created with these colour combinations. Yeah. And you say, does that look like the kind of colours that I want to choose? Because I don't know whether, I don't think I'm colourblind, but sometimes when I put colours onto a poster and I've printed it, I've been like, oh my word, what was I thinking of combining those two colours together? So yeah, it's beautiful designs all the way through. There's some really nice artwork in it and you get the RGB and the CMYK colour profiles if you're doing digital type stuff. So beautiful book, came from Counterprint, nicely wrapped with a couple of eyeballs on the front looking at you, which was quite cute and nice little handwritten note inside. So thank you, Counterprint Books. We'll include a link in the show notes for those guys. And which book was that, Rob, that you bought? It was called Japanese Colour Matching. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I I follow them on Instagram, and they've got, you know, every day they post new books in. It's usually graphic design, 
architecture, drawing, that kind of, that that's their sort of forte, really. And this one popped up, and I just thought, that looks amazing. Yeah. Went and had a quick look on the website, and they show you a few shots from inside the book. I thought that's super helpful. So, yeah, Japanese Colour Matching is the book from Counterprint Books. Nice. It's not something I'm very good at, Rob. So, actually, it's having a effectively a cheat sheet would be great. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was just looking at the colours and going, they, they just don't work. How does artists get colours that sort of combine? And, yeah, it's a little cheat sheet, really. Just find the ones that you resonate even then, obviously, the designs they've got, they're using colours in different amounts on the page. So you still yeah. have to be a little bit careful that you don't flood the page with some really sort of garish colours. Well, that's that's me sort of done. Did you have any more, Helen? No, no, that's me done too. I think uh, that's probably about right for a podcast. It's nice to talk to you. Indeed, it's been lovely to talk to you and we should definitely do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun though I have to say every time we record I love it so I know I know and it's just a just work life gets in the way doesn't it it does yeah so as, as I said earlier on in the show if you are in the stationary field the creative field and you use stationary at all or even non-creative field and you use lots of stationary we're yeah. super keen to hear from anyone that's a stationary freak basically give us a shout we are looking to do a lot more guest um, podcasts over the current the coming year and I think it's really great to hear from other people rather than myself and Helen solo waffling each episode. I also like that, you know, I think at the end of the day, finding new ways to use stationery. I mean, you know, that's what we're all about, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. That potential. Remember, it's that potential that stationery can bring. And I don't know, you see it on Instagram, on Pinterest, the potential is vast with some of the stuff that people are putting out. It's, um, it's incredible. So hats off to anybody who provides stationery, uses it, buys it, supports it. With that, Helen, anything from yourself before we close out? Uh, no, well, only to thank Helen Callahan, in case she's listening, to thank Helen Callahan because she has, she and I are taking her plot in an hour. I mean, it's not really; it's going to be a plot in two hours, but we're going to take that as a creative writing uh, exercise um, to explore how we use constraints. And I think we're going to take that to a few conferences next year because that idea of, of illustrating why constraints actually make us more creative mm. than um, just having a blank page. That happens in business a lot, right? And she has, renewed. you'll know, Rob, I got a little bit jaded. She has renewed my enthusiasm for helping people work through some of the, the stuff that we see every day. Um, and it's just a, yet another way of showing people, this is what I mean when I say creates, you know, um, constraints actually make us more creative and I think it's a really nice way of uh, demonstrating that so yes thank you to Helen we're really she's absolutely terrified because she's not done that kind of thing before as you can imagine I am like yeah it'd be great let's go do this sounds <laughs> awesome yeah and absolutely Helen's an absolute legend and you know those constraints absolutely make uh, I feel make us more uh, creative and certainly the science seems to illustrate the same and yeah. you spot on I think the business world, uh, you know, people are always saying, why have I got all these constraints around the work that I've got to do? But if you look at them differently, you look at them as an opportunity to be creative yeah. within those constraints. And yeah, we come from the same uh, sort of background with that. So good luck with that. That sounds awesome. Let me know what conferences you're at. And obviously we share that with the community as well. Yay. With that, we thank you so much for listening to this episode. Of course, you can find us on stationaryfreaks.com is the website. Stationary Freaks UK on Instagram, although we're pretty quiet on there. And thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. All the best. Thank you very much. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.